Good morning, everyone. This is sort of a solemn word today. It's a solemn week because you know all that's been going on with this inauguration, the long-term COVID, all these things that are sort of worrywart temptations if we really didn't know God. This is Dr. T. Tavo D'R.C. of the DFW Leader Ministry Fellowship dot com, but really representing our Messiah, Jesus Christ, the Christian community, pro-community. Not everybody looking like same race, same style, same exact belief, because we have our theology that has to be revealed and downloaded, tailor-made, imparted to, prophetically encouraged from time to time. And we each have to be responsible to be that BYOB, bring your own Bible, noble Berean that Apostle Paul said made him proud of the noble Bereans who were actually Jews who researched and picked apart Apostle Paul's teachings to see if they lined up with the Bible. And that's what I know pleases the Lord because it pleased Apostle Paul to have somebody question the top authority of the movement. And that's all I've done, all I do. And I I can see weaknesses, but I can see strengths. And I have weaknesses, and I have some strengths. So do you. So do all these people. And I want to encourage the people who have mega ministries and micro ministries and people who are alone, people who are at the top, people who have all sorts of different things going on of different styles that we don't have to be exactly alike. And that I try to address the community, whether they speak in tongues or not, charismatic or not. I'm not charismatic. I... Lord had me after I went down to the deep, deep south a few years ago, after what I saw was the fruit and the relationship, poor quality, dishonesty, disruption, you know, slave owning in certain different kinds of circles, two or three circles, I pulled out. TV and media affected men. You don't know what's going on in the grassroots, but I do. I know a lot about it. I don't know all, but I've had enough experience. That's been my call all my life since being raised by a pastor's daughter, a white Baptist Baptist pastor's daughter who is not racist. So I can tell when I have racism against me, which is really chauvinism, accuser of the brethren or sistren, if I show up in that LP that, you know, I've talked on it so much, that tiring, wearying, false teaching called Levitical patriarchism, Levitical matriarchism, it spies another person and says they're Jezebel and they've never talked to them and they refuse to talk. That is why I bring it up because it is a hindrance to Jesus Christ's pure heart, his pure nature, his pure non-slave driving, non-legalistic, loving community nature combo, Middle Eastern skin and not full of himself. And so if I teach to the body of Christ then I can teach males and females, encourage all who need to be encouraged. There is a godly remnant right now. There is such a thing or people that are long-suffering. I've been there. That's how I know the Lord so well. I mean, this well, a lot of people know him the same way, even more. But we're trying to make it so it's a body, body of Christ community, not a threat. Not a she threat, not a he threat, not a ministry threat, not a non-church, not a church hopper threat. All these things are out there big time if you're hanging around in grassroots, which I have and I do and I shall. I like it. So we're not combative. We're not condemning. We're not contentious as some of the tribes who have no clue about real life 
and if only wanted to be after the famous father because they guess they didn't have a very good father or maybe these people aren't intelligent i don't know they're not all like that but man when you bump up into some of these people that rationalize that they're the righteousness of god after they've stolen your stuff in the ministry that they say they're a pastor and then you try to confront them which is the normal bible way if anyone in ministry actually knows that part of the Bible, Matthew eighteen fifteen through 18, Galatians 6, 1, humbly confront them, hold them responsible, or at least try to. And when you do that from your part of, you know, point of view and you're humble and you're just trying to do what the God, you know, God says you're defending God's stuff because it's like a keyboard or computer, which I've had three things in the last, you know, before moving up here. It's a whole softer intelligent and more mature emotionally healthy appearing area and i don't feel it's racial bias i haven't noticed chauvinism even though i have had some witch watching and i believe people are well-intentioned that do that but it's just sort of like that's a low threshold in my life right now i don't do accusation unless you've talked to somebody unless you've talked to me unless i've talked to you unless you've confronted me then you are you are you're just a pharisee or a i don't know reprobate i don't know but anyway the point is i want to communicate i'm trying to get past god wants me to get past turn the page on the whelp chapter the pharisee accuser talk i want to start and teach that's what i'm here i'm going to i'm going to try to get so we can teach on hearing god the spirit of prophecy what is an office of the prophet i'm talking christians now office of the prophet of the of office of the apostle the genuine apostle and then the perceiver discerner realm which i call that that's to me spirit of prophecy it's not as spooky goofy or overwhelmingly flaky like it's out there you know people i know who's out here i know they're not all in church i know they're not under the famous prophet and that's why i teach this way because I want to teach it natural, safe, accountable, wise, mature authority. And then I teach on authority because I'm Galatians 1, 1 and 2 at the revelation and call of God. It's not about being a Baptist at this point. It never was with me. My family, my style wouldn't like about you could be Episcopalian. You could be anything if you just so you know Jesus and do what he says. So I'm trying to make it a combo for the harvest i'm trying to make it a combo how you can hear god you never have to to come i don't want to be over you i don't want to own you but i do believe in a you know if you are sent we could use help i could use helpers or teammates or people that are servant leaders that want to be alongside and then if you're mature maybe we'll let you speak or whatever do your thing i don't have to be the queen the boss i'm more like a against dogma not being a matriarch that means dominating barking orders but i'm not a fool so i can rise up and i will rise up because i've had a lot of people try to use their ornery turf guarding egocentric polluted version of christian ministry at me try to control so i'm pretty good at that i'm pretty good at watching the signs of people wanting to control, being need to be in control in ministry and doctrines and in my real life. And so because I've been controlled, 
and been around it, smothered, even by my mom, who didn't know she was doing it. She was an autocrat, you know, from the World War II generation, authoritarian patrician type. I learned by experience, nope, that's not where I'm going to go. I do not want to be there. But there are days and certain humans who may be carnal or mean or fierce that I protect myself by getting I have to get up and be like Jesus that turns over the temple money changers, not PC, but not, I'm not, I want to be intelligent. And sometimes you just have to rise up because they're that tough. They're that tough. It ain't always sweet baby Jesus out in this real life world. And you know, and see if people have been through pain, I've been through pain, but who hasn't? Needs to be said, yes, I've been through pain, but if I had not, I would not have known the Lord this good and had so much fun, no matter what, car camping, being in a great house, being by myself, being with people. It's just Holy Spirit and I, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has been so amazing. So amazing. Yet right now, because of what I've been through with people, no values, they've lost the true meaning of being a Christian or minister in the certain parts. That's why I dropped out of Charismatica. And all the people that are, hate to say it, a certain kind of white folk, that certain kind of white folk that have you know, been the anathema of this, of this ministry, the Alexander Coppersmith, the LP, when they hear this kind of talk or any kind of insinuation that they might have done something, it's the thing. I know what they'll do. They'll switch over to their own. Oh, they're offended. They're offended. So I've written lately and I laugh. You know, I could laugh. Nobody's talked to me from that camp. Nobody ever thinks a sister or myself, whatever my personality and style is, is worth talking to. So they just rather accuse, berate me in public here and there, and then gossip. And so as a result, we know them greatly by their fruit and the pain they cause on not just me, but many others. And this isn't a pain-filled diatribe. This is a pointing out that this is a huge effect on Jesus Christ's name in the when you get into the Holy Spirit realm. It's not Baptist. Never had a Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, black person do it. It's just solid, we-centric. So I write about it, trying to give vocabulary. Not all white people are we-centric. We are the world colonial, deserving, entitled to be over everybody. But that's what that is. But I, I came from that side on my mother's side, and she repented. And I came not from that on my dad's side, servant leadership, who was, I don't know how he was raised, but wasn't raised like that. So I try to favor, I try to think of being a minister, a person, a human every day as my dad. Now, nobody was big money makers. Maybe that's my fault. Nobody's, they were big achievers with their family. <laughs> Their relationships with other people, they taught school and had a church. They were white collar, but sent usually to the middle class or the country. So I know middle class and country and upscale. I can have lived in all. But am I caring about you? No, I care about you as a person, not your earth suit, not your education, definitely, not your rank and file in the list of the, you know, stock market I don't really care it's not going to last you in heaven I don't care if you're famous God doesn't care either I don't care if you're 
never not ever going to be famous. I don't care if you have live in a mansion with a stable out back in a nine million dollar house or no house. That is what I was raised around, and that's why I think like that. So I'm godly contented, and it's really great gain, better than the standard and poors, whether your standard is poor or not. <laughs> and I feel like that when I live and I car camp. It, it, when I have car camped, it's been like, it's an adventure. One of the things I'm mentioning it is because I'm ready to not, I'm not going to be doing it much longer. I know that. But the Lord had said, it's not time yet to quit. So when I know the Lord and he sent me this, like the prophet, the prophet Ezekiel, who lay on his side as a sign. And I was out in the deep South before I got here doing that a couple of years before. And when I watched the reactions at first, I was uncomfortable because, you know, you look, get looked down on by certain kinds. And you don't tell people because they think you're going to be dirty or, you know, unclean or, or, or after their money. So I just think, you know, this is what's God doing in me? What does he need to do and undo? And he made me less super serious or less, what do you call it? Less self-protective, less insecure. It made me bolder carefree what they think hell or high water heck or high water rather and if you're peculiar let it be we are in the end times there's a lot more peculiar than just this believe me and you're probably part of it right there <laughs> but he had to get rid of my insecurity because when i was raised by a great dad mom very healthy but then my mom was like this micromanager and i think she really wanted to dominate me because I do have authority and you know she's the queen she was like the queen frankly and a patriot patrician dominate you know matriarch even though she was a Christian very loving and then I had another one that would come my grandmother on my dad's side was a, just a plain old matriarch she wasn't a patrician but she was more like do it my way and I just was raised surrounded by control and it made me doubt myself greatly and so that's been my testimony. I might know stuff, but until the last few years and when Trump came on being that brassy and bold and I went through, you know, I saw how many people are going through this suffering of racism and bias. And I was out there suffering chauvinism and misogyny from the ministry at that certain places, not Baptist, not black, not brown. Then I realized how I was really needing to be delivered of fear of being more assertive and being more bold. And I started getting bold online, online and I started getting more followers online. They're not paying. I'm not doing it for pay. I'm doing it for the Lord. I, I have joy. It's the call. I love it. So then I had the issue of the car camping and I was like peculiar. Oh my gosh. But I'm, I'm of the age where I have social security I'm of the age where I have like all these gyms and always have. So you're not, I mean, it's camping. It's, and you're skilled and you have the barista fellowships and you have places to go where you're always working. And then I'm a witness. I'm an out front lines evangelist. Please get it. So then I realized as a, you know, if you go to the Old Testament prophets, and I know we're in the New Testament, but if you look at the Old Testament prophets, that's what I keep getting when I had the assault on my life and rape attempt in Denton and nobody in the Christian charismatic community would lift a finger to even answer my call or call me back. 
when I said I was a you know, minister, Christian, hey, I learned about hearts. I learned that the sleepy village is immune in certain parts. The well-to-do ones usually set in their ways, even if they're mental ministry. And I learned who is really a servant. God used the Methodists to help me, you know, because I had them come after me. They After the rape assault, I... I phoned the police and filed a report, but I didn't press charges because the man was on drugs and he had two children. I thought, get the police to shake him up and I'll call the man who runs the bank that owns the office where I had this assault. And see, I'm really careful. I'm never, I'm always very hyper careful around men. And I felt this guy had an energy, a womanizer spirit, and I was not comfortable with him, even though it was too late. I'd already went to the office, so I was very careful about him. But he came in on drugs, and that's what it was. So when I reported it to the lawyer, the big guy of the little town, country western town, I said, you know, this is what happened. This guy has done this. I filed a report. You need to know. Well, instead, those two were cahoots. They were good old boys. That's one reason I left. I don't need big egos. Mama's boys to do my work or to distract me. I'm no fool. So I called the man and turned out they they took my stuff, my rent, and locked the door, threatened me, sent the police after me sitting in the Starbucks two times. And it was just like, I thought, all I did was, I'll be honest, because I'm not a fearful person, and it didn't really fear me, make me fear any of that, because Holy Spirit is with me. That's the whole thing. But instead, I thought, man, I can understand how people feel when they really might get really raped. It's horrible. And then you file, and they retaliate. The people that did it come after you. It was like, good old boy, 60-minute episode. And when I tried to call the local Christian, I'd even been at one of their churches, these saints, and they were ahead of all the prayer and, oh, you know, let us have revival. And then I tried, I'd been even visited that church, the Christian community, you know, head person. And I went, this is what happened. Uh, I would like help. My cars died and I just need, you know, I just needed assistance or love, really a connection and no family. I was new in town. And that's when I was avoided. And so I was stuck in the pleasant Starbucks, trying to be a good witness, just working online, recording everyday video report of the hostage situation. They had all my keyboard and stuff, my time. And then when the assault happened, I mean, when the um, police came, the turned out their pay, I guess they're on the man's network. They must have, he must have, rile that policeman up to make him all angry at me and he came to rough me down and he was all dressed up two of them and he started to threaten me and said you're you know it must have been psyched up to say that I was on drugs or a real you know druggy or raging woman <laughs> and so I felt I'll be honest black people brown-skinned people when a lot of this stuff happens even racial white-on-white white chauvinism, accuser of the cistern. I really think it's God showing me how a black person feels. I'm sure it's not exactly everything you felt, how bad it really is, but it makes me realize, especially Dallas, I never realized how wearing, how horrible, 
day after day, meeting after meeting, time after time, the Christians doing it, how bad it is. So now I have a real, that's what got me E-O-R-R, relationship theology and against racism, even though I was always against racism and for all colors all my life. And I have great testimony on that another time. But EOR is so needed, especially when you're visiting a church and you're a human, whether you're a female, whether your earth suit's brown, white, purple, fat, thin, or green, you've got to have some respect for the people that come. These people are valuable. That's what I really got in the deep Southwest, and I hate to say it, I'm founding it up here, certain quarters, where they're just immune, it's about them. So I represent the people who try to go, who want to fellowship, who really should go to church, who really should be in the community, but they're rebuffed. They can't go. They'll be accused. They'll be killed. They'll be gossiped about. So I'm proud to say it. Let's do it. Let's talk about it. So if I'm out here car camping, if I'm out here as the witness, on the, I'm really wanting to get a, God wants me had a fancy van that I can really sleep in and enjoy take my musical instruments and travel the country and be out once in a while every few weeks with the homeless whom I adore and I think are wonderful because see I don't look down on them I was raised helping people I was raised out as a pastor's daughter uh, just help knowing that you help people that you're not proud you're equal with them they're equal with you they've just been through something different so I have to teach people now in ministry how how to behave how not to be rude and condemning and assault them again when they've already been through assault oh my gosh is it that bad is it that poor in ministry that they're that proud man it's sad i can cry almost because i think of the people like i met one the other day i'll have to a female because see i'm always out looking who do i need to be sent to and who could i help who could i refer to a church all that so i went I was raised also by an aunt and uncle who are pastors in a little, the smallest church imaginable, but they were givers every moment to the poor of the town and they'd take them food. One time my aunt would take food, she and my, they're both gone to heaven, her husband and she, they would take food to this one lady who had cats and the lady had cats with cat boxes that stank with no air conditioning. This is my story of my aunt. And my aunt, would, they would take the food into the house and the cat boxes would smell and it would be horrible and the lady was real grouchy and never said thank you. She would just complain and murmur about everything, you know, and never be grateful. So they just, my aunt had ability to pray for people and love people so much. That's why I want to be like a lot of my family, men and women, because she would just say, you know, I'm going to call her. I'm going to see her by how God sees her through the eyes of faith and love. And then I'm going to sort of like prophesy. I'm going to call things that are not as though they were. And so she said, I'm going to speak over Sister Violet or Sister Anne, whatever her name was with the cats. I'm going to call her instead of mean and unloving and cranky and complaining. I'm going to say, oh, Lord, we just thank you that she is sweet, full of the Holy Spirit and very grateful and they would speak positive they wouldn't complain about her so they did this for months and then one day they walked in as usual this is their story to take in the food to sister Anne, 
And so they walked in. There were the cat boxes. They helped her out. They gave her the food. And they were walking out the door when all of a sudden, Sister Anne or Sister Violet, whatever it was, called out, Mary Catherine, I want to thank you. You and Tom, I want to thank you and say I love you. And see, that is a victory. I'm raised. I've been raised around small town, but we're not small thinking. And then I also lived in, I also lived before Charlotte area. I also lived in Virginia Beach, Norfolk, Dallas, Fort Worth for 15 years, Central Virginia, where it's all around the area in ministry. So I'm not exactly a small, experienced person, a junior minister, but they don't want to know you. So they won't, you know, that's their choice. So I represent the people that may, that have been in the last 20 years that are now the Second Timothy 3, 1 through 5 from such turn away. They are the product of, back, of people who are backbiters, dishonest, angry at the system, angry because they heard about it on TV and all they knew it were hypocrites at home and I'm not you know like I meet people and hear their story I'm interested in your story is really it that's why I know this not because I'm looking for it it's just that I'm there as the outpost outreach and I'll meet somebody God will put in my path and I'll want to say you know who is this tough customer wonder what their background is like that made them like that what who is the lgdp lgbt person what is their story because everybody's got a story everybody should have a story about why they're this way or that including me so i'll listen and be patient to the tarot card reader the pagan the hindu the baptist the republican the liberal and i'll think oh that's so interesting you know i wouldn't raise like that or i was and there for the grace of God go we all. And I just think, you know, I want to know you and respect you and your point of view. You are allowed to tell me I will not jump down your throat if we totally disagree because that's how I made for God to show his love to you. Real equal opportunity respect. So when I have my car camping thing after the rape assault, after the loss, couldn't find any Christians, I felt were there you know I had no family my mother had died sister had moved and everything and I thought I'm not sad I think like I'm, I'm a prophet I think this is Ezekiel man I felt like this is uh Elijah really more Elijah than Ezekiel Ezekiel later but Elijah when the rape attempt happened and I thought man I was stranded <laughs> the car had died Thank God I was with a you know a bunch of places to go during the day. And then the Methodists were nice. I met somebody who was LGBT Methodist. A young woman who was the only Christian. The only Christian that came to say, can I help you? Can I help you? And that was the Good Samaritan. I want to say that on purpose. Because everybody's better get over their snide little high horses at this point nobody knows nobody knows what people go through before you meet them you don't have to condemn them or condone them but you are grateful that they at least act like a christian when the others say they are and they're not all this other stuff but they don't act like it who's the real deal only god knows i'm making ministry points at the methodist church what i found through this young woman who was on their staff, 
and I enjoyed there because they weren't patrician. They were all community. They were black, you know, like equal opportunity. They're a very fine quality group in a college town. And I had not enjoyed myself in going to fellowship until now, right now, where I've been lately, because they were not into this high horse, big IU production. There was no whelp there. Man, it was shocking. I love being the Methodist. They had all these kinds of... I just enjoyed it and learned about them when I was there for a while, season. So when I was there, I realized these people, the Methodists, and these were basically the white... He was an Asian pastor, but they were, you know, white, basically, church. They had gone all out to love on the homeless. They were in the middle of a town, Denton, and they were... They had to put showers in for them. They had breakfast for them. And what I want, and see, I'm going to, I'm weeping because I've seen so much bias out here. I've seen so much bias lately, not equal opportunity, respect. And I'm a lady and people should get it. I mean, really decent. So when I think of them, I think, man, these people pay a price to do it, literally and figuratively, but they show them respect. That's my teaching. It ain't the shower, but it is. That helps them. It ain't the breakfast every week, but it is. It is their non-condescending, non-condescending, condescending respect. They are not afraid of them. They don't act shocked and horrified because their hearts are pure leader servants. They're equal opportunity, real respect. So if I have... Because I'm starting to branch out here. God wants me to branch out, be in the community. I'm going to go talk to Methodists and see what the Methodists are up to. Because Methodists are real Christians. There are different things they believe in certain Methodists that are not my cup of tea. Or going to be my cup of tea. But I'm going to see who's out here that does what. And find out how to do this networking style. I'm a networking person. I'm a very sociable person unless I feel witch-watched, unless I feel judged, unless I feel that they're all into money-making and materialism, and I don't really care right now about that, and I never have. So I'm being blunt, because it takes it. People are are dodgy, they're skittish, they're weird, and I just mean that ministry. <laughs> Who isn't? But I am trying to be a servant leader, you know? And I, I know people are not your style. I'm not everybody's style. But I tell you, you've got to be Jesus style more than anything. And get along. Community. Ephesians 4. I have a couple. And I'm doing the men's ministry. I've got TCL hard drive or the hard drive, which we're getting different. We're recruiting from different churches. A couple of churches, some real quality men, family men, and different generations. So tclharddrive.com is going to be up there. And hopefully we're going to do that. My goal is to help the right people that are sent to me, but not be drained. At this point, I get my team together and we got to make it not just all white, not just solid white, but have the right people for the right presence. That's what we do. So we'd like prayer on that, prayer protection. So here I am sent to the car campers in Dallas and here. Well, I like it here. It's really nice. People are really respectful. It's a neighborhood community. There's no none of this, whatever it was, driving force of frantic achievement like DFW. And I like DFW, but it was like, it was fun at the gym, at the barista fellowships. Let's put it that way. I liked it. But I couldn't figure out the groups 
that were close to the Holy Spirit that were my, you know, I just, it wasn't family fit. So when the car incident happened, then you find out who's your friend, who really is a Christian. And when I would, I didn't say it because I was getting used to it. I thought, man, this is unusual. And the Lord said, I want you to do it. This is, you could go and you get employment anywhere. You could go do this. But I had been through H in my marriage at the end. I had been through H out in Dallas. I'd been through H hell in distracting, trying to recuperate, being caught off guard, being put under character assassination, all this stuff going on. And I couldn't focus on the ministry, on the Lord. And when the car thing happened, I was like, at least I don't have distraction. I'm pretty happy. And I've made some proverbs such as, better to live and camp in a car that works, better to live and camp in a car than to have somebody screaming at you and calling you the F word, chasing you around the house. I've been there. Better have somebody who is, better to have Jesus Christ and the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit with you at all times and do your thing, focus on the Lord, than have somebody raging at you, pushing you aside, and some good old boy trying to take you over. And I really mean it. I mean, that was a culture down. It didn't appear. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. It was a subculture down there, which I'd never encountered and never cared to again, of the good old boy who thinks everybody's there to be their waitress, <laughs> to be used, to be their slave, to be their honey bun. Not exactly in a respectful fashion. It was not fun. And it was not fair, but you know what? People live there, and I feel for you, really do. But I learned because my daddy wasn't like it when raised around men like that with that kind of lo low character. I wasn't raised around Christians with low character to begin with. Even up in Virginia, no matter how bad they talked about me, they were not bigoted. They loved their wives. It looks like they did, all colors up there. So I've learned, I've learned, and the worm is turned. I used to be the worm. I was never naive. Listen, I'm not naive, never was. I thought a lot of the stuff that I think, that I say out loud now, the reality, I was watching it. I would tell my husband, I would tell my certain people once in a while to vent. But I say it now because God has thrown me out to make me bolder by going through the rock tumbler of the last 20 years, the last five years, the last two years. I mean, he's done it to make me wiser, give me street cred, <laughs> not that I want it. But now I can empathize with people who've been through rough stuff because a lot of people, I hate to say it, if I am the future because I'm a prophet that usually has gone before to different movements before they got big, all these different things that were pretty happy, if this is me going before you to live in a car, you better be watchful, Christian. I'm talking to the Christians. So let me get on the topic that I'm supposed to get to the word of the Lord. When I would let it out once in a while to a Christian at a fellowship, if I said to a Christian who is a friend that this is what happened, that I was car camping, you could then note how they react and that has been this journey that's what i do now that's what i didn't bother me because i'm i know it's prophet prophet elijah when i was sitting there at the starbucks after the policeman tried to come sick me tw you know sick me twice by the threaten me by the 
the person that they were in cahoots with, the lawyer, I just thought, this is how it feels for a black person to get roughed up. Man, it's bad. They didn't put a knee on my neck. That's horrible. But I felt the villainous, evil rage and power abuse in my face threatening me with guns, all this armor on that was needless for one female. <laughs> but that's the old trick of the devil. And I thought, now I know how bad it feels. So when I had injustice, deep injustice many times, I feel for the person that I think, you know, we're just passing through. That's my perspective also. It ain't about me. I'm wise. I really am careful. But there are things that are demonic, but there are things prophetic that you can say, well, now you've been through them to teach from. Now you've been through it to test the hearts of those who react, which is a big deal in this case to me because I felt it sad for a lot of you. A few of you are going to go through some big pain because you're so callous, so inhumane, so less than humble, even toxic. So then I go through and I think, you know, what's the perspective, Lord, if I'm stuck here and stuck in the Starbucks, stuck at the Cafe Brazil, we're very nice and made me special dinners of my favorite stir-fry spinach, healthy with garlic. I thought two things. I thought this is, you know, I'm not, I'm supposed to take it like a prophet. I don't feel scared. I don't feel nervous. I'm not worked up. I just feel like it's not fun. I feel peace. I really feel, I thought of Andrew Womack, Pastor Andrew Womack, whose son died, his son had died, second son, one of the sons, and his son had died for five hours. He had a toe tag on in the, toe tag on in the morgue. And yet Andrew didn't say a word. He believed God and the young man woke up and is alive today. So if you have a prophetic call, you to go through the pit, certain things. But every time I've gone through any hell on earth in my life, as a minister, as a person, what do I note? On the other side, I come out freer. No fear, less fear, no anxiety. So by the time I've been through up this point in my life, I had so much. I feel really carefree. I feel really good. I don't care if the world goes away. I don't care if I go away. I know God wants me here and for my family, I'll be here. You know, I really am joyful. I don't want to go away. But I mean, I'm, if the Antichrist shows up, 666, hey, bring him on. If the pandemic rolls and rocks, we don't want anybody to go through it. We don't want anyone hurt, dying, being sick, being tortured, having no money. But I had been through enough, let me put it this way, I had been through enough that I could understand it and not be moved by it because I'd been through a lot of Katrina, hurricane, violent things prior to this time and God brought me out. And he brought me out better and more quality and bolder and that's what is needed now in the last days for this move is boldness in ministry. And I am bold whether you like me or not. I am bold. So let me encourage you. All right. So let's say this. I heard this story the other day about Trump, President Trump. And they said that President Trump went intentionally bankrupt at one point a few years ago. And what he did, he was testing people around him to see who is true. Now, I don't know that. I heard that on one of these videos, you know, but it sounds right. And I thought, well, that's exactly how this car camping is. 
I knew I'm, I'm sent. I said, Lord, do you want me to get a job and get look good and smell sweet to everybody and please people? Or what do you really want? And he kept on saying, you do it. And it's a symbol of people who are not going to be able to get in a house, how to learn how to teach them and instruct them how to do it well, including especially ministers, a few of you. But he also said, I want you to do it as a sign like one of the prophets in the Bible that lay on their side. I thought, thank God I don't have to lay on my side. I think one of them had to do it in the raw. <laughs> All right. So the idea is there, there are weird things and extreme things because we live and I've lived through extreme times. That's why I'm extreme. <laughs> I'm extremely joyful. I am extremely able to chuckle even in the middle of weirdness. I'm extremely relaxed and have faith because I've seen what God can do. I have a great, I don't care about my, I care about me in a good way, but I don't care about myself like I used to do or could. So when I would go and the Lord would lead me, I had a few tales to tell about my car camping. Now I feel, I don't look my age. I don't feel my age. I don't think about age. I think of being me, which I feel 28, maybe 29 after Dallas. I've always felt 28. And I may not look 28. I'm not naive, but I just feel good. Thank God. So, so I'm adventurous. I have no PC. I don't have any, you know, desire to be perfect. I want to be clean. I want to be joyful. I want to live in a house when the Lord needs me to. Because I've lived in houses. I was never raised poor, everybody. I wasn't raised poor. This is why I had to go through this. I was never raised poor. I had plenty of food, clothes, shelter, decent house, even deluxe houses. More than once. Two or three. I've had whatever it was I needed. A lot of it. To do well. Big. But you know what? I really didn't. I'm not in it for the money. I'm not in it to do houses. I'm in it for the Lord and whatever he wants me to do. I'm just in it for the Lord. I'm not caring about your stuff. All right, your ego. I'm not caring about it. So then I would meet people. And, you know, one time when I was adjusting, I, after my mother died, I thought, man, I better, con you know, tell my friend, my Christian sister. And I noticed that when you tell, I had two people I told, one at the time. I had a board member who was an older, wise female, been raised tough, been raised rough, but really nice, smart, strong. I told her, and she was not horrified, basically. And then I told the African-American friend, and that friend immediately said, oh, come stay with us, come stay with us. And I didn't feel it. I'll be honest. I felt I'm okay. I'm so peaceful. I'm not being screamed at. I'm not being lectured. I'm not having a violent abuse. I feel peaceful. I can do this. I would go to the gym, take my shower, work out, see everybody, take my work, go to Starbucks back then before COVID. I would just have a good time. I'm professional. I'm white, white collar, you know? So I'm used to upscale. It doesn't, I'm not offended by this. I don't, you know, I've overseen Vietnamese where they live five families in a house to get everybody over here and make it big. And they did great. I'm used to being with all kinds of people. 
Nothing is bothering me except you, <laughs> a lot of you. All right. So I told my friend, the African-American, who was so generous. And so she said, come on over. We want you to stay. We want you to stay. And I thought, is she guilty? You know, a lot of Christians are guilty. And I, I didn't really feel like I was supposed to do it, that I needed to do that because I felt good. felt God was in it. But I did it because I felt guilty not accepting her generous offer. Well, make a long story short, it was probably the worst thing I could have done. I had had stress with my marriage. I'd been through hell with stress of being, you know, raged at, barked at, controlling personalities, lectured. When I got there, this wonderful person, kind, everything, turned out was a bully and ordered, screamed everybody, screamed if you dropped anything. And I was feeling, after a couple of weeks... I tried it. I really wanted to, but it was autocrat. It was really scary because my heart started to get stressed. I didn't want to get ill with the amount of stress of my mother, all the things attack I'd been through. I didn't want to die, get a heart attack. So I left. So I've learned some things, but when you told, I told a Christian, uh, uh, I was teaching music, which I am a musician and I had you know, pupils back then. So I told the Chinese family, who were quality people, great quality people, and I mentioned to them, because I was still get, you know, figuring out, Lord, what is my part? What is your part? What do I tell people or not? Because it doesn't bother me, but it does. You know what to do. I didn't know anybody. Have any relationships there? So I told them, and they were the nicest people, and they said, come over and sleep on the couch here and there, and they were very fine people, and they were saying things like, why, why don't you have more people helping you? Why, if we, where's your family? Well, my family, I said, are pretty self-involved, The <laughs> pretty self-involved, and uh, I'm not, you know, nobody could quite grasp it, that they didn't want to grasp it, because it wasn't pretty, and I'm the missionary, and I'm the prophet and the apostle, so I figured, you know, that's their choice. And uh, so I learned about colors and reactions, and so far the brown-skinned people have won. They've really won big, because most of them were family-oriented. Not, you know, A lot of people have been through issues and trials, persecution in their family or themselves. They've lost it all at times and have not, not everyone, but I think they're a lot more soft, they're more family community in their actions so then i went to a church then i went to my final test before dallas i went to a lovely young church great quality highest quality i won't even tell you about it i was in trauma really i had been through the rape attempt i had been through a lot of stuff and i had been through a lot of dallas which was not fun in the spiritual sense. I like the state of Texas. I really like it. I was happy with Texas. I couldn't find friend, you know, trustworthy. I couldn't find meaningful ministry for me. So I thought I'll go to this fellowship. Well, they were very nice, very young, but very, I don't know, suspicious. So I mentioned to one of them in a private sister to sister, she was a leader and I was a leader. And I thought I will tell her and I will have compassion or just at least you know prayer and I said you know because I was needing all these things on the car had gone bad and I had you know I gave I had tires all this stuff and I thought I'm still learning about 
growing about how to do it all with God and not tell a soul, which is my goal, which is my plan. I don't go on the system. I don't, you know, it makes you poor if you go toward the system. I get social security, but I would like to have my ministry up and do music and teach and counsel and all that. But there's nothing that gives you credibility in the body of Christ at this moment, certain kinds of group. And I was with the whelp, to be honest. You can tell they're whelp because they act, uh-oh, she's going to take. So I didn't know that I was confiding in whelp, the whelp lady, female minister, until afterwards. Whelp has theophostic counseling. That means fix them. Don't relate. Fix them. Or it's their fault. They are, you know, accuses the person who's down and out. That's why I learned about this the hard way. Pop psychology that's in the body of Christ rampantly. And it will be, don't weep with those who weep. Don't mourn with those who mourn. Don't, you know, help anybody. It's about, uh, let's minimize our time. Pass them on to the next person. And then let's warn everybody in our fellowship. And that's what happened. I confide into her sister to sister. I confided in her trustworthy. It was confidential. I She asked what I needed for the car. I shared with her a few things. And then it turned out that, uh, in my opinion, everybody changed and, 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 and distanced themselves like I was a leper. And I learned about that the hard way. I learned about life. I learned about men. Learned about women. Learned that you really can't tell anybody in the white community if they're. What I looked at is my criteria. I was raised not poor. I was raised well off compared to the world. I was raised not toxic. I was raised helping people in the community, helping the poor. This was my turn to be the poor, and I watched who were the ones that empathized. And who were the ones that criticized? And the ones that criticized seemed to be in their 50s. They had been raised toxic, dysfunctional. Now they were leader Christians with a title. And they were making big bucks. And these people, everyone is making the big bucks that used to have a former life that was dysfunctional. Nouveau riche, let's say, which I was not really very riche. Those that are now well-educated and pampered and, you know, made it big have need of nothing are the worst nightmare. They are the worst nightmare. And am I accusing? Maybe, but you're self-justifying it. So the fact you're offensive. So when I was there, I thought these people, God said, these people, not just them, the people are that, that haughty, that indifferent, that callous, that mean streak about somebody like they're dirt because they're poor I really had a a warning, a prophetic warning. You better, some of you are going to end up in this, in your life. Some of you are going to end up in this, some of this type of person, specifically are, in, are your children. And I don't put that on anybody as a curse. That is God's word. So when I'm out here paving the way for a lot of people, the performance ministries, the mean streak persons, man, I'm not playing around. So when I came up here, I was happy. I've been happier than I've ever been in 20 years in ministry. Happier with the area. Happier with the nice people. I met what really makes me so sad. I met a whelp byproduct of their fruit. 
I was terrified. I was just so saddened. It shook me. Here I am, car camping. I've, you know, I've stayed in Airbnbs. I rented a condo at the beach. Good bargain. Just as better than a Priceline app hotel price. Because I, I don't, you know, I'm not just a sleaze. I am doing it for the Lord and I needed a break. So I'll go to, you know, stay in hotels. I'm looking for my, the place that is sent for me to rent. For the Christian to rent, have an office and be with the Lord. Because you do get tired in this. So I was at a certain place, a certain place, and I would notice this young woman, this, you know, in her 50s. And so I'd see her with her little dog. And so I'd talk to this lady once in a while, very sweet lady, had been through some loss, and she was car camping. And I would notice like two others around. And as a caring Christian leader on the servant leader, I think, well, after I get established, what can we do to start a network to help these people that are that are quality that have gone through trauma? She'd been through incest, this lady, and was from another nation. And now she's up here and she's, you know, got she's got some things going on with her that are not exactly, you know, 100 percent whatever good. But she's terribly sweet and so loving and gentle and tells the Lord, everybody about the Lord. And I thought, that is so amazing. She's so sweet. You know, she's got some issues. And I have to be careful that I don't, you know, take on too many people that right now, because I know that I have to keep my balance and, you know, keep making progress for the ministry. And then we can help more people with money, you know, a lot of money. And ministry, I need my music back. Long story short, this lady had been and visited a church. It turned out to be the Welp Church, where their thinking was that she was dust. She had a very bad experience, very positive, very not positive experience. And she went up to the leader, the top leader, and showed him some piece of paper with her list of whatever it was. And this person grabbed it out of her hand and, and threw it to the ground and you know crushed it in his hands, ripped it up. And when I heard that, that was almost the last straw. I cannot believe the strongholds on these ministers. Some of these ministers, these nice, nice ministers, these white ones. Black ones, you got yours, but I'm not talking to you. All right. What is wrong? What are the strongholds in this community of we used to be poor, maybe, but now we're well off and we know it all and we are immune to anybody. They're they're coming to take from us. They're coming and we put them down they're like they're trash, like they're wasps in our hair. Maybe they don't look good. Maybe they don't, they'll take us down. Maybe they will, you know, use us. And that's the part I'm making. Yes, some will use you. But this move of God is about God, not about you. It's not about your high horse or your figure. It's about the Lord. And if you're jealous, get over it. Jealousy can jealousy is as cruel as the grave. And I'm signing off with that for now. This is Dr. T. Tavodiarsi. Never been so rabid in my life. This is Dr. T. For the Lord's sake, bless you.